You can be your full right. Scarborough self here, right? <laughs> yeah, eh? <laughs> right? <laughs> Maybe not that Scarborough. Uh. <laughs> Yo, welcome to my summer layer. I'm your host, Sammy. I never cut myself code switching. Yunnan. Welcome back to Lincoln City. Before you visit, though, I heard it's lovely this time of year. Before you visit, you got to know that 4% of people living in Lincoln City possess special abilities. Basically, they're X-Men mutants, just without the costumes. One of those people with special abilities is Connor. He is played by Robbie Amell, and he is an electric, uh, an electrokinetic. If you saw him in Sharon Lee's float movie with his shirt off, oh, you know he's electric. As you saw in the first Code 8 movie streaming on Netflix, Robbie was approached by Stephen Amell, who is Garrett, a TK, a telekinetic criminal. He can move things with his mind. Code 8 Part 2 begins five years after the original Netflix movie with Connor coming out of prison, stepping into his job as a janitor. The ex-con wants to be good, so that means rejecting his former criminal partner, Garrett. It is a solid post-prison plan. There's only one slight problem with that. A 14-year-old girl has witnessed the murder of her brother by corrupt police officers. She turns to Connor for help, who in turn enlists Garrett. This is life in Lincoln City. Netflix viewers are not the only people returning to Lincoln City. So does Alex Malari Jr., who had a brief role in the first Code 8 movie. For the sequel, his character, Sergeant Kingston, has expanded, and it turns out he is a corrupt police officer. And sloppy too, he committed a murder, but left a 14-year-old girl witness, which is where the ML cousins step in. What makes Code 8 special is it is unique IP, intellectual property. It is unique IP. It is not based on a book or a comic book or even a video game. When you go to a Marvel movie, many of them, like Civil War, have been loosely adapted for the big screen. Audiences can sort of know what's going on. Here, Code 8 is all original, and yet all superpowers and all sci-fi. That makes it lots and tons of fun. Before Alex and I talk about Lincoln City, we gotta talk about Scarborough, since our experiences neatly align. And it's always kind to just shine a bright light on that remarkable hood brimming with distinct characters. If you don't know Alex by name, you know him by face for sure. As an actor, he starred in The Adam Project, Shotgun Wedding, Ginny in Georgia, and lots more. Actually, you may not know him by face either. <laughs> he points out he wears a lot of prosthetic makeup for some reason. He's always getting burned. What's up with that? And it's not a spoiler to share up front. He is a corrupt cop in Code 8 Part 2. As you'll hear, he grew a special mustache for this role. So as soon as you see the mustache, you're like, that guy's evil. Evil facial hair, taking on the ML cousins, Scarbo shoutouts, code. This My Summer Layer episode would be any more delightful. Get it? Code 8? Code it be any more delightful? Oh dear. Stephanie, save me! Sound, the final frontier. My Summer Layer is an enterprise, a pop culture voyage with a continuing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new creators and celebrate established producers to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. And now here is your host, Sammy Yunan. Alex, last time we talked, it was for The Adam Project, which, like Code 8, uh, Part 2 is on Netflix. And I asked you, like, if, uh, with, you know, Ryan Reynolds being from Vancouver and you being from Scarborough, represent, uh, if there was any Canadian trash talking going on. 
because this time you're taking on Stephen Amell and Robbie Amell. So I'm going to ask you again, (laughs) is there any Canadian trash talking going on? No, no, there wasn't much. I think those guys are so LA now Mm -hmm. that they've, uh, they've let go of the Canadian trash talk. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know. Or, uh, maybe I was just too in on that character. I really held that one precious. So I wasn't fooling around too much. Mm -hmm. Did any, uh, sports come up? Cause I know Robbie is a big Leafs fan and, uh, you're a big Raptors fan. And you know, here in Toronto, those two fan bases, they have a little bit of tension, right? Especially after, uh, the Raptors won the championship. Did any of that kind of come up at all or, you know, I wish it did, but it didn't. Mm -hmm. No, um, none of it. I mean, I think Robbie and Chris Paré, one of our uh, writers, or actually the writer, um, spoke about hockey a little bit. Um, but no, no sports talk, man. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Surprising. I don't know if I'm watching enough or not. Uh, yeah. Raptors are in that place where I'm questioning a whole lot. I'm very happy with uh, the Canadian boys coming in. but R.J. Barrett? R.J. Barrett. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, uh, were you sad to see Pascal go? No, no, I was not. I, I like what he contributed to the team. Mm-hmm. I've always questioned his intelligence on defense. Um, I don't like his rotation on defense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think it's still developing yeah, but as, as a rapper, I think he could have done a better job on that end. Before he was traded as well. That was one of the struggles with the Raptors. The defense wasn't yeah. always consistent, right? Especially transition and yeah. things like that. So, uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they develop now with RJ Barrett and Scotty Barnes in the next couple of seasons. Yeah. And we get a Scarborough Blue in there now, too. That's right. Yeah. So, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so uh, but we got to move from Toronto to Lincoln City. Let's do it. Uh, sadly so, because this is not a sports I'm podcast. Ready. So, you had a, a smaller role in the first Code 8 movie. And now for the mm-hmm. sequel, uh, your role and your character has been expanded. Was the yeah. plan to always bring you back as an actor or was the plan to bring you back as a character? Like, how did your Code 8 promotion evolve? There was no plan uh, to bring me back. Um, what had happened was I remember running into Jeff at a convenience store with my son. No, no, a grocery store. And... Uh, he said, you know, someone's picking it up for a TV series. You know, I'd love to work with you again, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, years flow by and... This was for Quibi, I think it was, right? For the defunct... Quibi. There it is. Yeah. Yes. That, uh, that died and went to heaven. Yeah. Mm. Did it go to heaven? Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Let's be optimistic. So... <laughs> it went to All right. So yeah. this Valentine's yeah. Day. Let's do that. Where do good streamers uh, go when they die, right? Yeah. Um, and so... Years go by and Jeff says, you know what? Netflix picked it up and we're going to do a movie. Would love to work with you again. And I was in, he wanted me to play um, Sorelli. Um, have you seen it? Yeah, yeah, I have, yeah. Okay, so that's Mo Jadiamo's role. Mm-hmm. He takes care of, he has the, the wristband situation, mm-hmm. uh, taking care of the canines. It looks like a uh, like a quarterback uh, you know how quarterback yeah. has the plays on his wrist. Yeah, to get the play on there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he knows. I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, so he's like the that... police officer who knows the plays basically on his wrist. Right. Yeah, yeah. So I was out for that at first, and um, they wanted someone else, a few other people, 
mm-hmm. for for King. And then Jeff just threw in a wrench and said, you know what? I don't have control as to who um, King can be. Netflix has full power over that for that casting. Mm-hmm. So I'd have to go through the audition process and whatnot. He couldn't just offer it like the, the role of Sorelli. Um, so he threw a wrench in there. And he said, hey, do you want to try for it? I said, yeah, why not? You know, that's that's a great approach to it. Um, let's give it a go. And Stephanie Gorin wonderful casting director gave me a shot at it and passed me on to Netflix casting um worked with Brittany over uh Netflix Netflix casting and uh things worked out it was it was a long audition process and whatnot and minutes later Jeff gave me a call and said hey let's make a movie and that was the birth of King was it strange for you to come back because in the first one I think we can spoil it a little bit because it's been a few years now so people have hopefully had a chance mm-hmm. to see it but your face basically gets burned off <laughs> right yeah like, yeah you were arresting somebody with superpowers you're you're playing a police officer and you arrest yeah. somebody with superpowers and it goes badly for you so was was it weird for you to come back knowing that like you know what i mean you got burned basically <laughs> in the first one <laughs> uh no it wasn't weird what was weird though that year or those two years of work in the Adam project, I started with my whole face mm-hmm. or half my face burnt. Mm-hmm. And then I move on a shotgun wedding. The burn was from my ear down to my neck. <laughs> yes, right. Yeah. And then from there, I move on to code eight. Mm-hmm. And then the neck is the only part that's burned. So I was trying to figure out like what in the universe is happening to me and why, why I'm getting all these prosthetics and it's all in the same spot. So that was <laughs> that. But anyways, as yeah. far as the character, no, it, it wasn't weird. I, it made sense. Mm-hmm. So so I just rolled with it. You mentioned the character's name is King, but his his proper mm-hmm. name is Kingston. And I was wondering if that was a Scarborough reference or was that a, just a coincidence? No, that was a complete coincidence. What is a, more of a coincidence? That main complex is by Maine and Danforth. So it was just north of Kingston. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> there's a whole lot of just yeah. things just happening weirdly, man. Someone's, someone's controlling something. We're li- all living in a hologram kind of vibe. <laughs> All right. Well, it's a good hologram. You seem to be having a lot of fun in the movie, right? Don't tell Kyrie Irving that one. Yeah. With mm. I bring it up too because of the Scarborough reference because with the Adam Project, yep. uh, you use your character. You give him the sticks, right? The Filipino sticks. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. As like sticks. a way to yeah to like give a little shout out to your Filipino heritage. Yeah. Do you have a similar Filipino approach to Kingston? Like, I'm guess I'm asking if there's any Easter eggs, <laughs> Filipino Easter eggs in Code Eight Part Two. No. No, what the only thing I did uh, request was that the, the facial hair was that mustache. I wanted that kind of classic corrupt mm-hmm. cop mustache that's always just been portrayed in Hollywood and I mean uh, almost in life as well. I mean back mm-hmm. in the days when they would have that mustache, and so I, I wanted that, and that was it. But as far as you know, doing any other sort of references, I strayed away from it. I was just honestly thankful to have that role and um, battling a lot of, a lot of uh, doubt in myself daily. So I didn't really have much room for anything else. Hold on one second. Go back to that, what you were saying before, because so do you tailor the, the facial hair? A lot of your roles do have facial hair. So do you tailor the facial hair according to the character or the motivation? Is is that what you're kind of like? No, no, I, it was just for this one role Mm -hmm. um, for King. 
as far as the other roles, I just kind of let them do whatever they want. I, I don't know if I have any control going into so many of the characters. At the end of the day, it comes down to the network and mm-hmm. directors and whoever the powers that be, really. Um, but for this one, I, I asked for that, and they were just kind enough to say yeah. And the hair and makeup team was great. Um, they approached King with, listen, he's he's someone that needs to be nearly perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you had great hair in the movie. Yeah, yeah, wicked hair team, man, and wicked <laughs> wicked makeup team. Yeah, shout out to yeah. them. And as a physical actor and a tough dude, like you've taken on uh, Ryan Reynolds. We've already talked a little bit about Adam Project. Like you've attacked J Lo yeah. in Shotgun Wedding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> do you feel good about your uh, choices, your code eight choices, being all tough and strong, going after a fourteen year old girl? Like, <laughs> <laughs> can you give us like a, a snapshot of what's going on in Code Eight, uh, Part Two, and uh, this strange sci fi world that you're in? I absolutely love the sci-fi world. I will stick to it for as long as I can and any time I can. Uh, it, in this movie, it wasn't demanding. It wasn't physically demanding. It was very different mm-hmm. from what I'm used to. Um, my characters that I have played have been typically and generally been very physical. And I attribute my success in being able to get those characters because of my physical abilities but this one was um, very thankful for that opportunity, and I. And when it, you know you ask about choices, I I hope I made all the right choices, or at least effective enough choices for people to enjoy or hate King. Mm-hmm. You know, create some sort of opinion about him. You mentioned you were battling doubts on this project. Why were you battling oh, doubts? Yeah. Like again, just because you're going after a fourteen-year-old girl? That's kind of mean. <laughs> <laughs> It's a rude thing to do. Yeah. Uh, no, it's listen. After I got the call from Jeff, or in that call with Jeff, when he told me I got the part, he then followed up with, "Hey, man, look, I know you're celebrating, but listen, Stephen is really bringing a whole other level of intensity. So you know, you really got to bring it." <laughs> And so I'm going from joy to to just not shut down, but I'm like, oh, straight straight to anxiety, mm-hmm. or not, you know, not anxiety, but anxiousness, and just mm-hmm. wondering, like, oh, am I going to step up to the plate? Because we're talk- talking about, you know, arguably the king of the DC TV world, man, and, and mm-hmm. you know, the king of the Arrowverse, obviously, and he brings it. He he does do a good job. And when I felt his energy on set that first day, when when they uh, yelled action, Stephen was no joke. He he came with it, and and so those doubts really came from a place of insecurity, um, because I can't rely on my physicality in this in this role. You know what I mean? I if I have weak spots in my acting in other areas, I can at least wow the crowd with some sort of physical action. Mm-hmm. But this one, it was it was straight. Just dialogue and storyline and I enjoyed it and I hope the audience enjoys it as much as we enjoyed making it. It's interesting that you say like you were kind of like nervous because there's a lack of physicality in your character. Like mm-hmm. the, the private investigator you play on uh, Ginny in Georgia, 
he's not very physical mm-hmm. generally, like as like compared no, to some right. of your other work. You know what I mean? Yeah. So didn't that experience, like doing those episodes, help you prepare you, or you still feeling it out, like as you you still got to learn as you do each project? Oh, I'm forever learning. Um, that's something I take pride in. Is I'm always open to learning, and that's one of my main goals going on to every project is what can I learn from who and um, I tackle each project differently because because I'm just I'm such a student of this of this industry and in this art form and I enjoy learning so much um, I don't have a specific way that I prepare things I tackle each one differently and so yeah I'm just trying to figure it out man and Hopefully those insecurities go away one day, but ah, it's it's tough to deal with sometimes. And there's a lot of it's a lot of pressure, a lot of weight. It feels like sometimes. Mm-hmm. And in terms of that learning, because King is a uh, police officer, you yeah. studied criminology at University of Toronto prior to acting. Did any of that background help or inform you as a, a police officer? Listen, that lasted maybe a little over half a semester. <laughs> <laughs> So the short answer is no. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, I remember driving home from a psych class and I heard an advertisement of wanting to be an actor. Um, listen, let me just preface this part. Don't call any numbers. If they advertise, if you want to be an actor, call this <laughs> number. So don't do what I did. Mm-hmm. But I did it. I did that. Um, and it took me on a whole long route. Um, but yeah, that, that U of T thing lasted a very short while and before I got the acting bug. So let's So no, it didn't help. Yeah. So <laughs> but, but let's stay with King as your police character because for Code yeah. Part 2, for you it's kind of a buddy cop movie. You have a very unusual four-legged companion in the movie. Mm-hmm. How mm-hmm. how much of that robot dog was real and how much of that was CGI? Um obviously anytime it moves, mm-hmm. it's CGI. Um, the part in the beginning of the movie where I'm demonstrating what the dog is able to do, that was, that was a person doing a lot of that. Wow. And it was funny. Yeah. It was funny to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but the dog itself, they did build an actual model of the dog. Super cool to see. Yeah. And about last time we talked, like, uh, you had a lot of comedy ambitions and I wanted to just check in and see how your comedy ambitions are coming along. Like you've been on like working moms, right? Uh, yeah. but I think there's more yeah. comedy and sarcasm in you that you want to share with the world. So how is there is a whole lot. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. how are your comedy ambitions coming along? Um, because well, Kodate is son... another bad guy t- essentially, right? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Not a sad, like completely. Yeah. yeah. Completely a bad guy. Um, how's the comedy? Go? I, I don't think, People find me funny, man. I'm not getting the jobs. I, I, I don't know. I might just have to write something. But I, my son doesn't even laugh at my jokes. So I oh, that's cold. It's not hopeless. <laughs> I'm still. I'm. I'm. I'm gonna get there. I'm gonna get there. Yeah. And speaking of like that kind of hustle and that kind of hope. Yeah. You're in an upcoming movie called Morningside. What is yeah. Morningside? Or should I ask maybe where is Morningside? Right. <laughs> Technically. Morningside is on the east side of Toronto in the beautiful neighborhood of Scarborough. It's a very long street that many people have heard of, thanks to Drake. Mm -hmm. Um, Some wonderful schools along that street, West Hill. 
produced weekend and a couple of NBA players. Uh, Mother Teresa is just off of warding, uh, Morningside. Um, so it is a loved, a beloved street in Scarborough. Um, the movie is about, um, it's based on the true story of the Danzig shooting that happened. Do you remember that, Sammy? Yeah, yeah. Do you just want to kind of give yeah. people some background? Like it was kind yeah. of Yeah. So there was a little bit of beef between some rival gangs, according to the Toronto police. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a block party that was happening in Danzig, uh, just off of Morningside, where these two rival gangs decided to settle their beef and some people got hit along the way. Um, I was fortunate enough to get the blessing from the family to play one of the victims who just sounded like just such a stand-up guy. Mm -hmm. He had actually ambitions to become a police officer. And so his life was taken a little, very, very soon, I shouldn't say little. Um, Yeah, and it's just a story that is about our community and everyone that showed up showed up for the right reasons. Um, amazing cast, uh, Ron Diaz, wicked director. Fifi Dobson is in it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fifi Dobson plays my love interest in it. And she was, she's a wicked actor, wicked actor. And just to hear her story, she's such a rock star, man. Mm-hmm. I remember coming, um, coming to set and she was, she was talking about her night before and, um, I don't know if this spoils anything, um, but she was saying that uh, Avril asked her to sing Skater Boy for her for Avril's induction. Oh, that's so wicked, man. <laughs> that's that's yeah. a cool honor, yeah. That's a very Canadian right. honor too, man. Yeah. And I did touch upon uh, Ginny and Georgia. Mm-hmm. Netflix renewed it for seasons three and four. I know it might yep. be too early, but are you hoping to come back as the kind of uh, slightly like insidious kind of PI? You're very like calm and calculated in the in the show yeah right it's it's kind of hard to read you a little bit you know yeah uh i hope i come back i do hope i come back i haven't heard anything yet um i know that we got approved and that was it so i do hope i come back and we'll see where the story goes with that those writers are great Mm -hmm. some great minds on that do you have that same kind of uh, insecurities again? Because it's the it's the lack of physical, right? Like, do you feel a lot more calm in that environment? Because it's a lot more, I guess, a chill TV show, right? Compared to like the hyper stuff with sci-fi, where there's like uh, special yeah. effects and all kinds of things going on, right? It's a lot more chaotic set for a sci-fi movie. Whereas with like yeah. Ginny and George, it's a lot more of a chill environment. It is more chill, yeah, and it's 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 a great team such a supportive team. I was nervous in the first season, a lot more comfortable once you get into the, uh, into the flow of it. Mm-hmm. And, and with the third and fourth season coming up, you know, if I'm fortunate enough to come back, I, I don't think I'd have those same nerves. Um, but yeah, it's just as an actor overall. And it's just my personality as well. I get nervous. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I'm comfortable doing what I do. I love doing what I do, but I want to do well. And and with that comes nerves. Yeah. Do you always feel like you're starting over? Like almost like you're almost a square one in a sense. Do you know what I mean? Like 
even though you've got like Adam Project with Ryan Reynolds and uh, you attacked J Lo in Shotgun Wedding and like yeah, you took on the uh, Amel cousins in uh, Code Eight Part Two. Like, do you always feel like you're almost like starting over? Like it's um, like literally like the first day on the job and kind of in a weird way. No, it it doesn't feel like that. But you do question like, can I hang with these giants? Because mm-hmm. just hearing you name these people and and the projects you know you you just wonder like can i can i hang with you can i go toe-to-toe with you when it's time to do an intense scene or when it's time to just do a regular scene man you question because they have so much work they have so much experience and um yeah yeah it's just one of those things where you just want i just want to do well and i want to i want to make sure i you know i honor the audience's time who's taking the time to sit down and watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't like wasting people's time. And circling back to Code 8, Part mm-hmm. 2, uh, this is a world where people have superpowers. So it's kind of yeah. interesting because, like, for people who don't know, this is not adapted from a video game or a comic book or anything like that, right? Mm-hmm. So it's also got a nice element of surprise because you don't know these characters. You don't know this world, right? Like, you yeah. got to push play and then kind of, like, basically be a tour guide in this world. It's not like a Marvel yeah. movie where you know all the characters kind of beforehand. Exactly. And so are you planning to stick with sci-fi? You said you like sticking with sci-fi and you like that world and just kind of building those zany and wacky worlds. Yeah. I love sci-fi. Um, right now, though, I just want to keep working and doing a good job at whatever comes my way. Um, we'll see what Code 8 opens up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see what Ginny and Georgia season three and four open up and really just take it day by day and one project at a time. We're wrapping up now, but you mentioned the facial hair for uh, you as the bad guy. But as yeah. a bad guy, you've done a number of bad guys already now. Like, yes. Are you working on your evil laugh or your malevolent laugh like as part of your bad guyness? <laughs> uh, no, no, I, I've not gotten to the point where I can do an evil laugh, man. Uh, maybe one day. Okay, so that's yeah, yeah, like that's part of the acting uh, evolution, right, for Alex? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, but I, you know, laughs of sorts, yeah, or evilized, you know what I mean? A you look. Could, you could do that from Scarborough, though, man. There's sometimes there's a Scarborough look, right, with the eyes, or like, yo, you got to shut this down. Like you, you can communicate shutting it down. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just that deadpan look. Mm-hmm. No, no wrinkle, nothing. You're just deadpanning. Yeah, yeah. Through face capital, baby. <laughs> There you go. We can, that's a happy note. We can end it there. Right? <laughs> there we go. Yeah. <laughs> Alex, thanks again for like hanging out and like being evil again in another sci-fi movie. Or yeah. So there you go. <laughs> uh, I, I appreciate uh, your evilness. So. All right. It's definitely uh, like an element of Scarborough in there, right? Because there's a lot of like not back down and like kind of hustle and like being a star boy. Like your character, especially, you're like yeah. he thinks he's a lot bigger than he actually is. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, and just thinks he can't get away, or he can get away with everything and and all that. Yeah, yeah, he's a true bad mind kid. Mm-hmm. There you go. Mm-hmm. That should be the movie tagline. <laughs> King, the bad mind. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Sammy. Yo, that was Alex. You can see him in Code 8 Part 2 on Netflix. And I'm Sammy, host of My Summer Lair. 
All right. Typically, I plug my newsletter, My Pal Sammy. It's on Substack. If you want to sign up, great. A few of you have recently, and I'm so grateful for your company. And I, uh, I guess I look forward to your sarcasm in the comments. My newsletter, My Pal Sammy, is there if you want it. Check it out. However, I'm going to change this up. Since a lot of this conversation with Alex was local, talking about Scarborough and Morningside, I want to stay local and give an earned shout-out to a massive My Summer Layer fan, Glenn Gabriel. I deeply appreciate his support and his encouragement. You put out something online and you'll never know who you connect with or where it will go or what will happen. Glenn is a podcaster. His podcast is called Coaching Kids Curling. Yes, it's a curling podcast. How cool is that? Glenn is a certified curling coach and all-around good dude. Obviously, if you listen to many of my episodes, you know I'm an NBA guy. So what's good about Glenn is he makes you less ignorant about curling, which is the value of most podcasts. If you can be less ignorant by the time you finish listening, then the host has done a good job. Glenn, as the host of Coaching Kids Curling, does a good job. Here for yourself at all the usual podcast hot spots. Thank you, Glenn, so much for the support. You got to remind me to give you a man hug next time I see you. And yeah, check out Alex and Code 8 Part 2 on Netflix. And yes, thank you for listening to me in a Netflix world. I always say that because I recognize you have options. But thank you for listening. I do appreciate it. Scarborough, yo.